This episode of Homeschooling in Real Life is brought to you by Kerclick.com. On this episode of Homeschooling in Real Life, Fletch and I sit down with John Wilkerson. John is a homeschooling dad who also podcasts over at the Wired Homeschool. He knows a lot about the internet and technology, and he's been doing this a long time. I remember logging on back in the 80s onto CompuServe and QLink and a couple of other systems that had these, you know, bulletin board systems where you could go and and interact with people socially. You could you put a post up there, people would respond to it. John also endeavors to keep his kids safe online, but use this technology to their advantage. And so we're going to talk about strategies, how to keep our kids up to date, how to keep ourselves up to date, using technology to our advantage in our homeschools without compromising our standards. Also on this episode, we will give you our top 10 ways to use technology in our homeschool. And did you record a shout out for us on our Facebook contest recently? We've got those for you coming up later. Thanks for listening to this episode. This is Homeschooling in Real Life. Welcome to the Homeschooling in Real Life podcast. This is Fletch. And I'm Kendra. As veteran homeschooling parents, we discuss topics that tend to divide and distract Christian homeschoolers from each other and the gospel. On the Homeschooling IRL podcast, we promise to be honest, transparent, and witty as we discover what it means to homeschool in real life. We are back in the studio again, and I am excited about this one because this is the second time we are not technically in our studio. Well, no, we're not technically in our studio because we're technically, again, on the lanai, looking at the Pacific Ocean with a lot of palm trees and beautiful birds. Yeah, so our studio is very windy today, and we actually might get the sound of birds chirping by or some other pleasant West Maui noise. So bear with us as we are recording today. Um, we have a good show for you. We are talking about the internet, and more specifically, the internet and real life. Now, why did we decide to call it the internet and real life, Kench? Well, I think there are um, lots of us who are very put off by or concerned about or fearful of the internet and its role in our kids' lives, particularly as our kids get older, although... It's amazing to me how a three or four year old can navigate a computer. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. And, you know, compare that really to the other end of the spectrum where we meet plenty of people after retirement who just missed the computer age and they want nothing to do with computers or the Internet. Right. So in between, we have a, a big spread there and we're talking about it tonight in real life because we just want to kind of get it out there and have the discussion that, is this a scary place? Is this something we should use? I mean, I remember, let me just share two quick stories. The first being, you know, my friend, Bob, you know, Bob, he's, he's my friend on Facebook. Yeah. He's actually your friend in real life too. And has been for many, many years. Well, and he's been around for many years before I was born. My favorite thing about Bob are the pictures he puts up on Facebook because a lot of them are from World War II when he was serving as a serviceman in World War II. So that should give you an idea how old my friend Bob is. But you know what I like about Bob is that he has never been afraid 
to get on Facebook and even make some mistakes. I mean, I've seen some things he's done that have made me laugh, but he's been willing to go on the internet and he's been willing to go on social media. And I see a sweet relationship between him and some of his great-grandchildren, even some of his great-great-grandchildren. Yeah, it's amazing. And I just love, like you said, he's just connecting where his kids, grandkids, and great-grandkids are. So that's one story. Now, the second end of my story is my friend Steve. Do you remember my friend Steve? Uh, Yes, I remember your friend Steve. Now, Steve was an interesting guy as well. Super involved in technology. Yep. But living in fear of it, wouldn't give out any information on the internet, not his name, not his address. He wouldn't purchase things online. He, this was before social media that we knew him. He would never have gone for social media. Right. That man was living in fear. So we have two ends of the spectrum. We have this old retired man who maybe puts everything out there. And we have this young tech savvy guy who puts nothing out there. That's why we're having this show tonight. That's why it's called The Internet in Real Life. To help us talk through these issues tonight, we've invited our good friend, John Wilkerson, from the Wired Homeschool Podcast. My name is John Wilkerson. I've been married to my wife, Lisa, for 16 years. We have seven children, uh, the oldest of which is a junior in college now. And I can usually be found blogging and podcasting over at thewiredhomeschool.com. We asked John what he thought the major concerns are when it comes to kids and technology. And here's what he had to say. I, I can boil down, I guess, the, the two main problems I see that are occurring. Uh, and, and this occurs with, with any, any, any parents, not necessarily homeschooling parents, is either, uh, number one, the parents have no idea what the technology is and how their kids are using it. So that's the, the first major problem that I see. And number two is uh, a phobia of technology. And I think you see that more in homeschooling, um, but certainly with some more conservative families, uh, you do see a, a fear of of technology and, and the kids kind of going wild with it, if you will. All right, Kenj, what do you think about John's premise? The first idea that parents really kind of don't grasp the ins and outs of technology. And then the second is that they have a phobia. I know what you want to talk about first. Oh, I think these absolutely are the two big, big issues for parents um, when, when allowing their kids to approach technology. And, you know, some of it is our kids are natives in this landscape, and so many of us just are not. Um, the Internet is relatively young, and we didn't come by it when we were two, three, four years old like these kids did. And, I mean, it's just amazing. They'll pick up a, an iPhone and navigate their way around, change my settings, <laughs> Yeah. All of these things, and they're under five. You, you give a five-year-old an iPhone after church, and you can pretty much assume your settings will be turned upside down. Oh, yeah. I've had to change my password numerous times. We had a, I remember one time we had lunch with a family, and when I got to work the next morning, I had to delete about 50 photos of their son off my phone. That's right. So, yeah, sure, there's that. And we've seen people, especially older parents, who maybe weren't raised with computers in the house. 
really kind of struggling and navigating through the basics. Now, believe me, most of those people are using Windows machines. Uh, you're uh, a Mac so, guy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, we, I can remember being in college back in the 80s. Our college had all Macs in every dorm. Brilliant idea by Apple because uh, all of us graduated and that's what we bought. But, you know, so there is this idea that they just don't know how to use them. And when you don't know how to do something, when, when something is foreign to you, you will be fearful of that. So not only do they not know what the technology is, but let's talk about that second topic, the idea of fear. Yeah, this is what I hear so often from parents, uh, primarily parents kind of, you know, our age range, Fletch, we're in our 40s, so we're sort of on the upper end of a lot of homeschool parents. But this thing that, that I hear often is, well, I don't have time for that, or, oh, you know, Facebook, or, oh, what's Instagram, or you know, just kind of this, like, they're above it or something, or they, they don't have time for it, you know, that kind of thing. And, and I think, yeah, but that's where your kids are. And so you need to be there. I mean, you wouldn't even dream of allowing your kids to be involved in something that's brick and mortar without going and seeing what it was all about. You know, you wouldn't put them on a soccer team or in a ballet class without knowing what the studio was like and who was there. So part of that is, is just understanding the world they are, um, managing themselves in. But also, you know, there's a real positive to that. And we have um, great fun with our kids on social media. We can, you know, let them know we're there. That's one thing. (laughs) They know when they tweet something, we are probably reading it. Um, And we even have a secret Fletcher family Facebook group. Yeah, which don't even ask if you can join it. You have to be a Fletcher member to be part of our secret group. Or you could marry a Fletcher. All right, so this would be a good time to go back to the discussion with John since we've been talking about, you know, just some of the benefits. You know, we asked John that same question. And aside from the obvious, you know, oh, it's a benefit to have a computer or a tablet in your homeschool. It's a benefit to to give your kids access to that technology. Um, We asked him the question, what specifically in technology is a benefit to homeschoolers? And if you're not a a listener or a follower of the Wired Homeschool, you know, Kenji and I want to recommend you head on over there because he often puts up some great suggestions um, for ways in which you can implement technology right into your homeschool. But uh, let's listen to what he says when we asked him the question, what are some benefits that he sees in different aspects of the internet and technology? Well, uh, certainly Netflix would be one of them. I don't think a lot of people think of it that way, but there is an entire group on Facebook and even a Pinterest board dedicated to homeschooling with Netflix. Uh, so exploring the, the multiple educational shows on Netflix that are available and even shows that aren't necessarily educational, but may if you think of them as uh, based in in historical times, shows based in historical times are certainly can be used for education as well, just like a, a historical novel could be. That's certainly one that's not uh, a lot of homeschoolers don't think about. Instagram can be used just like Vine, uh, not necessarily with the videos, but certainly more along the lines of of images and things like that. And I think the other thing, which I probably should revisit this because it's been a while, is podcasting. Podcasting is a great resource that's available for uh, homeschoolers, especially even if they decide. You could even rule out 
that and go to iTunes U or iTunes University where your kids can basically sit in on college level courses and listen to them for free, completely free of charge. Fletch, this is a great place to take a break from our interview with John and talk about the top 10 resources that we have used in our home that come straight from technology or the internet. Yeah, so um, do we need drum rolls on these? Sure. All right. How Does everybody it? know you take drum lessons? Oh, no. Yeah. This is not going to be me drumming, though. Who's the guy? Which is the band where the guy has one arm, the drummer? Def Leppard. Oh, Def Leppard. I can't believe you'd even ask me that question. That's like the only drummer I want to be like. Oh. Def Leppard. So that was like a prerequisite for marriage question? Like I should have known that one? You should have known Def Leppard. <laughs> okay. Without a doubt. You should know. I the, really. You should know who the drummer is for the police, too. I don't, but I love the police. And I actually you, listen to them, but I never listen to Def Leppard. They just kind of weren't my thing. I know? bet you also would know the drummer for Genesis. Mm, yes, I knew the drummer for Genesis. It's the same drummer for the Phil Collins band. Right. All right, so um, drum roll, please, for our number 10. Number 10 would be Google. That's kind of dumb. But really, I mean, how many times have, has a kid asked me something and I go, well, let me look that up. <laughs> so Google is just a one gigantic, massive resource and way better than the encyclopedias we had when we were kids. Yeah. And you know what? That's going to lead me to our number nine, which is my number nine is Siri, which is a lot like Google. But because I have my iPhone with me always, Siri is like... God's answer for dads, because I cannot tell you how many times I've been asked just ridiculous questions, and I'll immediately pull out my phone and just ask Siri to answer it for me. Um, we do that with each other. Like, we'll be asking some, well, it happened this week in Maui when we were visiting here, and we were just wondering what the population in Maui was. And as we were talking about it, I pulled out my phone and said, what is the population in Maui? And Siri came back and gave a great answer. Siri might be God's answer to homeschool dads, but she never understands me. So I'm not sure how you got the golden Siri. All right. Number eight. Texting. I realize that this is a hot button one for some parents who don't want their kids texting. But I will tell you that we, with fear and trepidation, had a son who had a, a phone at one time um, that he could text on. And we were like, oh, this is not going to go well. And then soon after he got that phone, we ended up in the hospital with one of our other kids. And I can't tell you how thankful I was to have a direct line to one of the kids in my house instantly via texting. And that's what we've seen ever since. We have the ability to um, ask questions, remain in contact all throughout the day or wherever they are. I don't feel like um, they're unsafe if they go off somewhere together in the car do you remember, okay, so did your parents make you take a dime everywhere? No. What? Okay, no. maybe because I was a girl. My, I, wasn't, I wasn't allowed to go out. <laughs> Whatever. My dad always made sure I had dimes and then eventually quarters everywhere so that if I, you know, my car broke down or something, I could stop and find a pay phone. And that's what a phone eliminates for teenagers. So in our home... Are you home, kidding me? That's what? what your dad wanted to ship? At one point, I can remember your dad telling me, you should always have $100 in your wallet. I'm like... <laughs> What, yeah. in case there's like an emergency round of golf that I have to play somewhere? <laughs> he never gave me $100. He just gave me t dimes and quarters. But um, 
so, if, you know, just as it doesn't matter, everybody's going to make their own choices. But for us, when a kid is has a license and is driving and driving siblings places, we love that they will have a phone and a, and a way to communicate with us right away. All right. Number seven. Podcasting. Of course, I would say podcasting. It's like my favorite aspect of technology. Now, I, I mean, I think everybody should listen to the Homeschooling in Real Life podcast. But I listen to John's podcast, The Wired Homeschool. I listen to uh, I listen to a whole bunch. I'll just put them in the show notes. But I and I've mentioned them before on the uh, Q and A with K and A. But I love stuff you should know and Radio Lab, and I love Freakonomics. I love Finding Christ in Cinema. I love America's Test Kitchen podcast. That's one I listen to frequently. Ninety nine percent invisible. I mean, the list goes on and on. I'm a podcast junkie, but I love listening to them. But then I share that information with my kids. I can't tell you how many nights around the dinner table we've talked through one of the topics from uh, Stuff You Should Know. Yeah, and actually, Fletch, what I love about your uh, insatiability with podcasts is that that's shared with our oldest son. So you and Hayden often banter about the different podcasts and information you've learned together. That's cool. Number six. Evernote would be my, oh gosh, I've said this before on the Preschoolers in Peace blog and um, have even done some short video video blogs with uh, Michelle White who writes with me over there. Um, just on how we use Evernote, Evernote essentially is my brain on my phone or on my computer and actually that's one of the reasons I love it. It's on every device. So I have Evernote available to me on my Kindle Fire, on my laptop, on my phone, Every list I've ever made, everything I need to save is in Evernote, and it's like I'm just carrying a gigantic file cabinet everywhere. Now, I haven't been using Evernote like you do, but I have tried using it. I just find it doesn't work for me. Okay. So I still use paper and pencil. That's awesome. I yeah. see that. You have a little uh, ring binder there. Was that like on the Target, you know, I bought like a, I bought 10 cents of three, school, back to school? I pack of them from Target <laughs> so that I can do my uh, podcasting notes while we're recording. That's great. Um, all right. Number five, YouTube. Now, YouTube, um, some people are deathly afraid of YouTube mm. because of all the stuff you can find on it. And there's you, reasons to be careful. Well, sure. And there's plenty of good. It's like everything. It, you can filter out the bad for mm-hmm. some of the good. And I think from a homeschooling perspective, uh, how many times have we needed to look something up? Well, share the story you just told me. Oh, yeah. So recently, um, the kids and I were talking about the Titanic, and uh, our seven-year-old said, well, what did it look like, and, and have they found it, and all of those questions. And so I just pulled up YouTube, and sure enough, there was a great National Geographic, I believe, or Discovery Channel or something, a short video on um, finding the Titanic and exploring it. And so there you go right there. Way better than any information I could give him were, were pictures and a video. It was fabulous. Um, I can tell you that for a fact, I have seen and watched many dental procedures on YouTube that I have not done in my practice, but that I've wanted to see. YouTube can be used in so many educational ways. Number four, Khan Academy. Do you want me to talk about this one? Sure. Okay. Well, you've had a lot of experience too, so share that. But here's the thing about Khan Academy. If you're not familiar, khanacademy.org. There's so much I could say about this. If you want to hear Khan Academy's founder 
pull up his TED Talk that he did with Bill Gates um, on the power of a free education. And that's exactly what it is. You can watch videos, um, take classes on all kinds of STEM. Do you know what that is? Do you know what STEM is in education, Fletch? Science, technology, engineering, and math. So all of those subjects can be brought up, including uh, some world history courses, art history classes. Our kids have really used Khan Academy a lot, SAT prep. And you talk about the function that that you've used with them as a teacher. So, you know, a lot of times uh, you can actually go onto Google, which is one of the other ones we recommended, and you can find an entire curriculum. Now, I found an entire algebra curriculum put together by an algebra professor at a some college and she published that online and then all my son had to do was follow along watching those con videos and essentially went through an entire algebra curriculum from a college level teacher on her schedule at her syllabus and all I had to do was implement it and make sure that he did it and then you know the deal with con is you don't move on until you master it so it was really straightforward and simple so con academy number three you know what? Before we get to number three, let's just remind people, these are in no particular order. Nope. They're just great tools that we've used over the years. Number three. Kerclick.com. Right. And Kerclick.com has been one of our sponsors on homeschooling in real life, but we actually use Kerclick classes. We've talked about this before. We have kids who've taken long-term classes, semester-long and year-long classes, um, they have to turn in homework. Their stuff gets graded, so um, essays get read and, and feedback is on them. They've also taken some just short little classes. I know uh, one of the classes our kids have coming up is on Mount Rushmore. They'll also be doing one on Pioneers and on Native Americans. Those are just short, maybe like little one-and-a-half-hour classes that happen one time. They have uh, Lego clubs for kids who want to learn to build certain things. And uh, we have a daughter who's a Magic Treehouse book fanatic, and they have a Magic Treehouse book club. So really great resources with Kerclick.com. Number two, Netflix. All right, I'll talk about this one. Go for it. I think Netflix is awesome. I think every kid should probably learn how to solve a murder by watching the entire Columbo series. <laughs> okay. <laughs> wait, what's his famous line? Um, wait, uh, wait, just one minute. One more thing. One more thing, please. Just one more, just one more thing. Okay. Just one more thing. Um, no, I think educationally, there's plenty of information. You mentioned uh, National Geographic. Yeah. There's entire National Geographic series. There's PBS series. Um, you know what I'm into right now? I mm-hmm. can't get over documentaries. Right. So I watch a ton of documentaries and you can use those with your kids. And again, a lot like podcasting for me, I use those to then have further discussions with my kids and to stimulate in them the desire to learn and to probe and to dig a little deeper. I will admit right here that several of our kids in their early elementary years, I think their entire science knowledge came from the Magic School Bus series on Netflix. That's cool. That's pretty much where mine came from. Um (laughs) All right, our final one, number one, the use of the Kindle. 
Oh, yeah. Now, this is pretty much me specific because you're not a big Kindle user, right? I'm not a big reader. No. Yeah, we've said that before. So um, from Kindles that are just the basic version that our kids have saved up their money to have um, to a Kindle Fire that I now use just daily. Kindles, awesome apps. You know, it's a tablet if you're getting the Kindle Fire. So it's like an iPad. You can download apps and use those that way. You can watch Netflix on your Kindle Fire. But a basic Kindle also, you can load up your kids with so many books and then Especially if you're a family that travels or lives in a small space, they've got a wealth of books right at their fingertips on a Kindle. So that is the top 10 list of things that the Fletcher House uses in the area of technology and the internet. You know, it's not exhaustive. We just sat down here quickly and cranked out 10 things. And it was really fun to see that some of ours lined up with uh, John's as well. All right, so we're going to go back to this interview with John now. And we did ask him, what are the two major threats that the Internet has brought to the homeschool family or maybe just to families in general? And I don't think it's going to be shocking to our listeners what John had to say. I would say that there are kind of two major threats, the first one being access to pornography. That's that's the big thing every parent it freaks out. I've, I've had a number of parents contact me saying, my 12-year-old saw porn for the first time. What do I do about it? And usually by then, you, you probably should have been doing something before that happened, you know, at least having a conversation with them about if you're going to use the internet with free, you know, without any restrictions, then there should have been a conversation about it beforehand. Um, and and the other way that I see it is really it becoming addictive, where your kids are constantly wanting to be on social media and constantly wanting to play games online, and it begins taking up so much of uh, their brain power that that's all they think about. We sometimes, even in my home, we run into the kids they get their chores done and then they can play games on the computer. And it gets to the point where if they don't get to play the computer today because they got their chores done, then they, they, you know, they have a meltdown sometimes. And we're like, look, okay, then we'll take it away for a whole week then <laughs> because clearly it's become too much of a priority in your life. So Kendra, no shock there, right? Access to pornography and then just the tendency towards addiction. I bet our listeners uh, could have come up with those on their own. Um, but some of his thoughts on pornography, um, we're going to ask him in the next segment uh, what he recommends to protect your home from pornography. But can I just have a conversation with you right now, Kenj? Should that necessarily shut down our use of the Internet because something negative is out there? No, and I would say, do we stop having sex because sex is used wrong in, you know, many, many ways in many, many places? Do we stop eating because there are people who abuse food? You know, I mean, really, it's all about learning to use something wisely and well. Um, I would say, though, that, you know, when you go to a buffet, you don't walk in and people don't start shoving food down your throat. True, that's true. On the internet, you know, you walk in sometimes... And when a four-year-old is doing, well, let me just share my story. Um, this one's going to get a little personal, people, because it starts with Kendra and me lying in bed together. 
great. I was uh, sitting in bed working on a presentation for my office. I had my laptop on my lap, and I was looking up some photos that I could use in a presentation. So obviously, uh, it was all dental-related. In my mind, that's what I was looking up. But I looked up the term implants because I was trying to put up a picture of a dental implant. Well, let me tell you that when you search, don't do this. We are, I'm warning our listeners now, do not go to Google and search implant. Um, without even trying, you can already assume what popped up on my screen. It wasn't dental implants, <laughs> it was breast implants. Um, but here I am, you know, lying in bed, laptop open, and I kind of chuckled and told Kendra, I said, hey, look what I just found on the internet. And, you know, her eyes bounced out of her head as well. Yeah, that wasn't exactly the implant information you were going for. No. But there's an example. You know, you walk into a buffet, people aren't shoving food down your throat. I right. wasn't walking on the internet looking for anything, but boom, there it was. Yes. Um, should that necessarily keep us from the internet? That was my question. You still say no? I still say no. Yeah, so I think the deal is... Um, there are plenty of times in life when something will be shoved in your face. Um, there are times in my own life, and I'm just going to use my example again. Um, part of my college experience, part of my life experience was, yeah, I've had sex, drugs, and rock and roll put into my face. Literally in my face, here, take this, use this. And because of my relationship with Christ, because I was sold out on my faith, because of so many other reasons, because of the way I was raised, um, these things could be put in my face, and, and you, as a fact, know I could turn away. Yeah. I could just walk away from things. Now, Fletch, if somebody shoved a nice, rare-in-the-middle, beautifully seared steak in your face... Yeah, I would <laughs> dive right in, but that's not a threat to my no. well-being. I know. I'm just saying, you know, we all have our things, and that just isn't, doesn't tend to be yours. Yeah, and, but there are other tendencies. You know what? For me, uh, the tendency is always towards laziness. Hmm. So if you give me a chance to be lazy and sit down and do nothing, I'll take it. Is that necessarily negative? Uh, in some, some ways it can be when I have something to get done. Um, so yeah, I think you're right. And you're going down the right path there, Kenj. Um, pornography thrown in our face on the internet. John is right. There are ways to be very leery of it. There are ways to prepare and, and be prepared. But you can never be perfect. That's the point I want to get to. No matter what you do, no matter how many fences you put up in your house, no matter what you do to your own home computer, pornography is out there. That's the culture we live in. Whether you're walking through the lines at the checkout aisle and you see the latest from Cosmopolitan, which is essentially not the latest. It's the same thing for the last 20 years. Um, whether you're driving down the road and it's a billboard, or whether you're like me and you go to the dump with your kids for a dad and son outing and you're going to go dump all the family trash and there's a pile of pornography on the ground right mm. in front of you, it will make its way into you and your kids' lives. And maybe blocking the internet is your way of dealing with it. You know, for us, it's how are we going to deal with those bumps in the road way before we ever get to them? What about addiction? The second thing John brought up was addiction, just an addiction to being online or on a computer. Yeah. Now, I, between pornography and that, that is what I consider to be the bigger issue. Really? <laughs> yeah. I think our younger generation of kids cannot put down 
an electronic device, cannot move their face away from the screen. And you know what? There are times when you need to just be in personal interaction and turn off the device. There, I said it. See? Right. And I, I think, don't think anybody disagrees with you. No, I, I see people every day in my dental office. They cannot put down their phones. While I'm working on them, they have their screen up in front of their face and they're texting, they're gaming, they're candy crushing, they're doing some stupid thing. That <laughs> bothers you, I can see. Well, I just think this is the bigger issue. I think, I think we're way too focused on the pornography thing as a, as a life killer and we have marriages out there that are tanking because men can't put down an electronic device because women can't stop texting with their girlfriends. And yeah, I am s- way overgeneralizing it there. But I think there's way more struggles going on because of that. Um, I think we've kind of worked through the pornography issue, and it's still a problem, but but I have a feeling we're getting a grasp on that. We're talking about that out loud a lot more than we are about the addiction issue. Yeah. Fletch, you're concerned about the issue of our kids just being addicted to technology, and and many of us are deeply concerned about the issue of pornography also and that addiction. So we asked John to give us some advice in that direction. What are some things we could do to protect our kids or to teach them some self-control in these areas? It is possible. It's true. With a simple Google search, you can come across uh, come across pornography. But I think it's important, number one, if, if we're going to let our children use the computer unmonitored, meaning we're not going to stand over their shoulder and watch them use it, you want to have some kind of check and balance there in the system, whether it's you're checking their history or you have a monitoring uh, tool like Covenant Eyes, which we use in our home, or even having filters in place. We use a free filtering service called OpenDNS uh, combined with the monitoring of Covenant Eyes. Any device that connects to the internet in our home goes through that filter. Uh, and it doesn't block everything. It's not 100%, but it's just a tool that we're using to say to our kids, you know, you need to be aware of what's out there. You need to be careful. We need to have conversations about what's out there. And um, when your kids get off to college, if, if all you've done is block internet sites their whole life, then when they get to college and they're able to just go to whatever they want to, they might make some bad decisions. And you're not there to walk them through that bad decision. Whereas at home, if you're able to walk them through that and and help them navigate that decision and look at, okay, this is what led you to this. And here's what what you can do to avoid that in the future. So we have spent a long time on this podcast talking through a lot of things that may be pretty familiar to you. You know, I wouldn't say that uh, issues of pornography and addiction and, and then even the ways that the internet and technology can benefit you are new topics. But I went on to ask John uh, one more area. Where are the hidden ways the internet is making its way into our lives and into the lives of our children? Listen to what he had to say here. Yeah, so 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 the most obvious things to be aware of are your smartphones and your tablets, whether it's an iPhone or an Android device. Uh, those are kind of obvious. Your home computer is obvious. But, but you can really, a lot of p- people don't realize that the Xbox, the Sony PlayStation, the Nintendo, 
those all have internet access. And there are parental controls in those devices that you as a parent can set up and should set up. Uh, your friends' devices, you know, you, this is why I recommend OpenDNS and setting it up on your router because when your when your child's friends come over with their device that may not have any kind of uh, monitoring software on it, at least you don't need to worry about them, you know, sneaking off into a corner of the house somewhere and hey, check this out, you know, because then then that will get that will get blocked, uh, hopefully, uh, depending on, on on where it is and 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 how they're accessing it, but. Really, I think the consoles are are the biggest thing that a lot of people don't realize. And even if you've given your child an, an older smartphone that you think doesn't have internet access, you really poke at it and, and prod on it and, and, and make sure of that. A lot of people may disable a browser on their child's device, but then they've got Twitter and Facebook that has that is kind of a backdoor into the device that lets them get to the internet. So, so you really need to be aware of everything that has internet access on it. Um, if the device can access the internet, there's probably a way to, for your child to view something that, that is objectionable or unwanted in your home. All right, Kendra, we've talked a lot about the internet, about technology, good and bad uses. Uh, we've shared our top 10. John shared some of his benefits. We've looked at a lot of the threats. Um, do you think we still have a listener out there that just says, I just don't want to be a part of this thing? Well, if we do, I think it's odd because they're listening to a podcast. Yeah, true. Well, Maybe their friends have them strapped to a lazy boy in their house. <laughs> Forcing them to watch it. IPod like some earbuds. sort of tor- torture. Yeah, it's like torture. <laughs> this would be like a, this would be like the same level of a massage, getting to listen to us talk. <laughs> okay. Um, but if you have someone who says, I still don't want to be a part of it, um, we asked John that same question. I, I loved his response here. You don't understand how a car works. Most people don't understand how the uh, combustion engine works, but you still use the tool and you still feel like it's a tool that is necessary. You know, your kids need to learn to drive. Um, There's a lot of things that we don't understand and we don't get, but we still have to learn how to use them. And in this day and age, especially if you want your kids to go to college, I'm not saying that they need to be they need to know about every social media network and know all all these kinds of things. But we're looking at schools now that are starting colleges that are starting to replace laptops with tablets, whether it's an iPad or an Android device. Um, schools, elementary schools, public schools are switching to tablets. Their students are going to they're giving their students tablets to take home and. I, while I'm of the opinion that it's never too late to start a child uh, with technology because kids are sponges. And even when they're 18 or 19 or 20 years old, they're still going to learn how to use – they'll learn to use it out of necessity. But the problem is that when they learn to use it out of necessity, they're not going to learn good habits. 
And it's up to us to teach our kids how to responsibly use the tools that they have available to them. It's it's not just a matter of, I want my kid to know how to use every gadget out there. It, that's not what I'm about. They need to learn how to be responsible and make good decisions about using technology. All right, so that wraps up our show. Uh, the internet and real life. We hope it was informative. Uh, we hope you got some information. We'd love you to go check out uh, John Wilkerson's The Wired Homeschool. When you get there, tell him that Fletch and Kendra sent you. We are now to that time of the show where we're going to wrap things up. But before we go, it is time for hurler shoutouts. You know, we put it up on Facebook and Twitter. We said, leave a shout. We had a contest, right? Didn't we leave a contest? This was a contest. We had a contest. We had a contest, and we offered a fabulous iTunes gift card to the winner. And the idea was you had to go on and you had to leave a verbal shout out that we'd play on the air uh, to your spouse. And we collected all those. So let's play them right now. Thanks for taking part in this. Hi, this is Christy from Qingwangdao, China. And I want to give out a shout out to my husband, Jay, because he has been willing to be on this crazy adventure of living overseas and raising kids. He is a great support. And yeah, he's just a wonderful partner. And I'm thankful that we get to do this life together. This is Steph from Ontario, and I want to give a shout out to my husband, Sean, because he goes to work and teaches 150 other people's kids every day so that I can stay home and teach ours. This is John from McLean, Virginia, and I want to give a shout out to my wife, Sue, because of all she does for our family, how hard she works to keep dinner on the table, and how many sacrifices she has made. Thank you for all you have done. Hello everyone, I'm Kim from Gunnersville in the beautiful Mountain Lakes region of North Alabama. My shout out is for Mark, my husband. For 24 years, he's been my biggest cheerleader, confidant, best friend, and partner on this wild and crazy journey. He never ceases to amaze me in his acts of love. He has been supportive of my decisions and he helps me in any way that he can. But my absolute favorite trait of his is that he loves me as Christ loves the church. And there is no better lesson that our children could ever learn. Hi, this is Melissa from Denver, Colorado, and we want to give a shout out to my husband, Chris, because he's married to me, and that's not always an easy thing to be. And because he's out there working hard to support our family and pay off debt. We love you, Chris. Yay, Daddy! That wasn't quite it. Before we go, I had one last question. Kendra? Yes, Fletch? Do you remember the first internet website you remember? Oh, no. Do you? I do. I have a conscious memory of the very first thing I searched for <laughs> on the internet. Okay, go ahead. Focus on the family. Really? Yeah, it was like I was sitting at our desk Yes, we plugged our computer into the internet for the very first time. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I mean, it was probably Internet Explorer or Netscape. I don't know. It was one of those, you know, beginning web browser type things. And I was sitting on our desk and I looked down and the Focus on the Family magazine was there and it had their www. Wow, they were so cutting I was edge. Like, oh, 
might as well put that in the internet and see where it comes up. And I, and about three minutes later, after the page loaded, <laughs> yeah. and our and mod- after the modem, and modem was squealing in the background, clicked off, and then we had to wait for it to come back on. Yeah, yeah. I I found it, and then you picked up the phone, and then right, I lost and then the lost website. It. <laughs> hey, thanks for listening tonight. If you'd like to connect with us, you can go to Facebook, and how would they do that? Facebook.com slash homeschooling IRL. For our tweeting hurlers. At homeschool IRL. And if they wanted to leave a review for us and really boost homeschooling IRL so that we got into the ears of more homeschoolers who needed to find freedom in the gospel, where would they do that? They can do that at iTunes. Just go to podcasts and do a search for homeschooling IRL. We'll pop right up and you can leave a review. Yeah, don't forget, sign in with your own name. And we're suggesting, just a suggestion again, a five-star review and a nice comment. Thanks so much for listening tonight. We'll catch you next time. The Homeschooling IRL podcast is a part of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Every show is written and produced by Andy and Kendra Fletcher. For more information on this podcast or to contact your hosts, please visit us on our website and blog at homeschoolingirl.com. Thank you.